Greetings, and thank you for checking out this sermon from Kingdom Life Community Church in Morrison, Illinois. If you'd like more information about our church, go to kingdomlife.global. And now, here is the sermon from our pastor, Steve Harmon. Today, um, I think uh, what he wants me to talk about in, in John chapter 14, I've, I've been reading in, in this this last week and going over a few things and we, we left off in John 14 and ended, I think, with in John 12 through uh, 14. And that was when we talked about, uh, you know, the greater works you will do. You know, I will go to my Father, and you'll do greater works than these because I'm going to my Father. and Whatever you ask my name, I'll do it. The Father may be glorified. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And the, the whole idea about asking and greater works is about glory to the Father. It's as simple as that. It's not about my exaltation. It's about... His name being high and lifted up and being tattooed on my heart. So that everything that I do, every work that I do is, is for Him. It's for His glory because He is glorious. And, and sometimes I think we, we lose track of, of how glorious He really is. We, we, we talk about a whole lot of things, but we, we, we say we want it. But in reality, when it comes, it, we move away from it. And I'm telling you, you were created to house His glory. You are his temple. You are the place where he, does, he does, wants to deposit himself. And as we look at what he's talking about here, he says, anything you ask in my name, when you, when you pray in his name, you're, you're praying in his authority. But you can only pray in his authority if you are under his authority. We talked about this last Sunday. Many people ask, but they don't have. Or many people don't have because they don't ask. And when they do ask, they ask to spend it on their own pleasures. But see, those who are his understand the idea of, of, of authority and all that kind of stuff. But, but then he's going to transition into something. Where does authority come from? How is it supposed to work in our lives? Because we have an understanding of a worldly perspective of authority. My boss tells me what to do, and I have to do it. Right? And we, we, sometimes we don't like that because our boss is a jerk in our eyes. Although we've never walked in their shoes and had to worry about the bosses over them. And in some cases they have protected you from wrath that you don't even know about coming, yet you still hang them on a cross. And so we look at authority in earthly terms, even in the church. Well, the pastor has authority. We have to do what he says. Do what he says. Listen, I'm, I'm a leader. Yes, I get this, but I am not all-knowing. I am not infallible. I'm very fallible. And I'm, I am in pursuit of, of following Jesus, and I know you are too, but I am not God. I am not the authority of all, in all, for all. I'm just... I'm just a guy that he's called to lead some sheep. And he's given some power and he's given some authority, but it's subjected to, to him. Now, here's how this is going to work. Moving along, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you have the wrong understanding of that, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And see, it's, 
it's kind of funny to read it that way, but in reality, a lot of times we interpret it that way. And the reason we interpret it that way is because we come from a wrong understanding of where we are in Jesus. If you love me, you, you think this is the voice of Jesus. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And if you don't, man, I'm watching. I got my eye on you. Got a lightning bolt in one hand, right? What was that old song? One fist of iron, the other steel. And if the right one don't get you, the left one will, right? Sometimes that's our understanding of, of Jesus and his relationship with us and his relationship with the church. That's good if you follow Greek mythology. But that ain't so good if if you're a believer because that's not how he's chosen to be in relationship with you I'm trying to read the scripture through the eyes of how Jesus would communicate it it's like man if you love me you're going to keep my commandments let me tell you how that's going to happen look what he says and then I will ask the father and he's going to give you a counselor to be with you forever He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. You see, we interpret scripture from our relationship with Jesus. And a lot of times, our relationship is not where it should be. I'm going to read this one scripture, and then I'm going to continue. He says in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. Okay, so we're just going to stop right there, and I, I won't leave any more scripture. The rest of our time is going to be just right here. Okay, are you ready? All right. Let's find out about position here just for a second. If you go to Luke, and you look in Luke uh, chapter 3, you're going to see, in, starting with verse 23, you're going to see something. It's, going to, it's called the genealogy of Christ. It's in Matthew as well, too. Um, Matthew starts at Abraham and goes up. Luke is going to start at Joseph, the father, and work himself down. And, and, and Luke is going to go past Abraham. He's going to go all the way. Now, listen to this. I'm just going to read um, from verse 36. And listen, I'm, I'm probably going to destroy names, but that's okay. Uh, we're going along here, the son of uh, Canaan, the son of Arphax, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, son of Methuselah. Uh, you start to recognize some of these names now. Son of Enoch, son of Jared, son of Mahalel, son of Canaan, son of Enos, son of Seth, son of Adam, son of God. Son of God. You see, when Adam was created, he had no earthly father. He was created and he was fashioned in the image of God. And he was fashioned and, and he, there was something so unique about this that God is saying, we're going to make man and we're going to make him in our own image. And so there's, there's an intentionality that comes with mankind that doesn't come with, with anything else. Anything else is like, oh, that's beautiful, I like that. This, that. But with man, I'm going to grab some dust I'm going to form it, and then I'm going to do something that I haven't done with anybody else. I'm going to blow life, my life, into him. 
And then we're going to name some animals. Things are going to be cool. And I'm going to find out he's really lonely. And so then I'm going to create Eve, right? The way I'm going to create Eve is a little bit different. Because I'm going to take Eve out of Adam. Why? Because Adam is good. Adam is innocent. Adam is beautiful. And I'm going to create from him a partner for him. Both beautiful. And I'm going to go into her as well too. And so Adam is going to be carrying the same breath as Eve. Both from their father. So why do I tell you this? Why is this important? Because when they sinned, well first, when they were created, they were created as a son and as a daughter to him. They started at sonship. They started from way up here. So when they sinned, they knew what they lost, which was why it was so devastating to them. Because they were here walking in the garden with their father, and all of a sudden they disobeyed. And everything that they knew, everything that they were created for, sin had interrupted and put a block in front of. And then everybody that was born from then, them was born as a spiritual orphan. spiritual orphan and so when I come to Jesus I'm not coming with an understanding of what being a son or a daughter is really like I know what it's like to be an orphan even though I had a, 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 earth, a good earthly father that doesn't necessarily derive what I was born into it should port, point me towards who is my spiritual father but I was born as an orphan Spiritually, I was born sinful. I was born away. I, was, I didn't start from a position of son. I started as a creation. I wasn't born a son or daughter. And the world gets that confused because you hear it all the time. Oh, we're all just children of God. No, we're not. We're all created, but we're not all children. You don't become a child of God unless you truly understand what John says in the earlier chapters where he says to those who would receive him, God then gives the right to become sons or daughters. Other than that, you're just a creation. Struggling under a spirit that calls you an orphan. And your father is the first orphan, the devil. He is where that orphan spirit comes from. Cast out, derided. Humiliated. Why? Because of his pride and his arrogance to think that he could be God. And from that he lost his position. And then seeing the things that God loves so dearly that, that, has, that God has breathed life in and created in his image. I believe because of his anger and sheer insanity. He deceives Eve. And Adam goes into straight rebellion. And so they become like him. The uniqueness about Adam and Eve and Satan is they both know what they lost. I don't know what I've lost. 
I'm finding out what I've gained. I'm coming from a different position. I've already, I've already known what I felt over here and how it made me feel and how horrible it was, but through Jesus, now there's this invitation to step into a position that I never was in before, and that is a son who has a father. And Jesus goes to great lengths to communicate this to the disciples that he's walking around with and to the church today, that you are sons and daughters. But many of us choose to try and follow Jesus from a position that we no longer have to have, and that's from the orphan. That's from what I know over here. And so we're hurting. We're saying, and this is why you will sit in a church service and God will move. And it will be phenomenal, but you'll be sitting there as a little orphan boy or the little orphan girl saying, please, God, could I have a little something? The issue that is not that God is not moving on your behalf. The issue is that you're not recognizing where he seated you. You're very down here at the tail, and he said, I have called you to be at the head. So you are receiving something that's very little and very minuscule, there's more for my sons and my daughters. This is why when we read in Ephesians where he says, He has seated you in the heavenlies with who? Christ. It's not about giftings. It's not about power. It's about your position. You were never there before. But once you received him, you became a son and you became a daughter. And you have been exalted in that place by Christ. You're seated there, which means that is your position. So how you live on life, your life here on earth should be from that position and being seated with Christ. And when you're seated with Christ, you have the glory, the power, the anointing of everything of your heavenly Father. It's as if you were coming out of the water and he's looking at you as he's looking at his Jesus. He said, ha. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. And I am well pleased. And this is what he's saying over you today. This is what he's saying to you who are sitting, watching. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're seated in a position. But we have this orphan spirit that comes upon us that said, that's not for me. I don't deserve this. All these other kinds of things. And you're listening to the voice of something that used to be your father but no longer is. He's been expelled. And as he was cast out of heaven, he should be cast out of you. That voice should be removed from you. That voice should be like in the other room, screaming and yelling, trying to get your attention, but you can't hear him. Because the voice of your father is the one that's the loudest voice. Or I should say this, you have the opportunity for that to be the loudest voice in your head and in your heart. And he's crying out to you. And we're, you beg him for healing. You beg him for stuff that he said was already yours. And you come from it from a position of being lost from an orphanage instead of being right by his side. We ask as servants, not sons. See, later on he's going to tell them, you are no longer my servants. You are my friends. 
there's a change that happens in the relationship and with the, the di disciples between them and Jesus. Which means there's going to be a difference and a change in the relationship between them and the Father as well. Because a servant doesn't know the will of the master. But the son does. The daughter does. You see, we may not know absolutely, we may not know the day or time when, when Jesus is going to come back or what exactly that looks like, but there's a whole bunch of stuff you can know and should know and will know if you will come at it from position of a child. See, I don't withhold stuff from my children unless it's a really good reason, unless it's going to harm them. I'm going to give them my love. He's even been challenging me on that about how I even love my children. You know? Because the problem is, is as, as, a, as an earthly father, if I'm struggling with an orphan spirit, then that is what I'm going to multiply in my children. I will desire to say, hey, God is good, God is love, but I'm not living as if it's actually true in my life. I'm always, oh, God, please this. Oh, God, please that. Please don't let this happen to me. I'm, I'm asking those kinds of things as an orphan, as someone who doesn't have a position seated with Christ that is right next to him. I'm asking like an orphan. I'm acting like an orphan. And if I'm modeling that, that's what my children will take on. But if I, I start to just grasp momentarily at first this idea that I'm a son, and for some reason, God looked at me and said he's worth it. Jesus, go die on a cross. If God sent Jesus to die on your behalf, then he's, there is something in you that he is desiring more than anything. There's something in you that he wants to be in relationship with. There's something in you that he said is valuable enough that I want to adopt them and make them my child. I don't want to just create them. I want them to be my children. And I'm going to be such a good father to them. Such a good father. See, the things we read in the Bible are not just nice things. They're not just, well, that's kind of cool. These are things that we are to take, to, to pour out, and to, to really get from here to here. So that when troubling times come on this earth, I'm, my position doesn't change. See, as an orphan, when you hit troubles, <laughs> with the orphan type of thinking, when you hit hard times and troubles, you go from dreaming about a position to, oh, this is, I knew this was going to happen because it's just my life. This is the way it always happens to me. And all of a sudden, you go from thinking you might be a son to, oh, right down at the bottom again. Listen, being a child of God doesn't mean that you're, there's not going to be struggles on this earth. There's not going to be things we're not going to go through. But being a child of God raises you above it to know that what you're dealing with right now is not the end of your story. That as children of God, though we may pass through the fire, you've got to understand that you're not going to be burned by it. Though there heavy waters are going to come your way, you're not going to be overtaken by it. This is what, this type of understanding, I, I, I'm starting to get this, this type of understanding of the relationship with the Father is what puts people in the first century 
on a post in a garden to be lit on fire. If you believe in Jesus, I'm going to stick you on this lamppost, we're going to light you on fire, and you're just going to bring light to my garden. Or you can recant. I can't recant. Why? They could have lived the rest of their lives. They could have said, okay, I recant. And they said, well, Jesus, forgive me. I really do want to follow you. They didn't do that. Because they knew that they were a son or a daughter. They knew that there was something out there that was worth dying for. They knew that there was something, that there was people on this earth, that the testimony of their life would mean something and bring people into the kingdom. And they did not love their life so much as to not offer it up to God as a martyr. Some of us have more relationship with our financial advisor than we do our Heavenly Father. Because we're wanting to save our life more than we're wanting to lose our life for Him. There's nothing better than Him. There's nothing sweeter. There's no blessing that the world or the enemy could give me that is anything like who He is. And although sometimes our actions betray that truth, <laughs> sometimes how we act and sometimes think, yeah, I get it. We, you know, our, we, we aren't sinlessly perfect. I, I get that. But the majority of our pathway in life is pursuing the greatness and the goodness of who he is, not just as God of the universe, but as my father, as my daddy. See, people are like, I get uncomfortable when, when people say daddy. Well, that's fine, but Jesus said it. Jesus called God daddy, Abba, Abba, Abba. He didn't believe that God was going to be offended by that. See, sometimes people hold what they think is this this reverence for God, but what it really is is a lack of understanding and desire to understand that you go much farther than just reverence. Yes, you have reverence, but there's an intimacy of a father and a son, of a daughter and her father. I'm sitting on the couch yesterday, and my daughter comes walking in, and she's like, you know, she's just a little girl so full of life, and she loves hard. And if you're not watching, you're going to get hit with that love, you know? <clears throat> and so she comes rocking. She's going to go in the rest. She stops. She's like, hi, Daddy. And she comes running over. She gives me a hug on the couch. And I'm thinking about that as we're talking today. And I'm thinking, that's exactly how my father wants me to be with him. <laughs> hey, Daddy. <laughs> hey, son. That's, that's the truth of the relationship that we can have with him. Where you're not an adult posing as a child. Hi, Father. Hi, son. Uh -uh. I'm your child. I know. I was there. Right now. 
Hi, Daddy. Hi, son. See, that's the love that the Bible talks about it when it talks about this love that he has for us. It's not that, I love you. I love you too. It's not sterile. It's full of life. I love you. I love you. I love you. I know. And I love you too. And I'm going to love you more. Because I'm growing in this thing that I'm not used to. See, I'm so used to being unloved that when I come to church, sometimes there's so much love that I'm overwhelmed of it. And so I have to build this thing to protect me from something that I'm not used to. But then as I, I start to understand that he can be trusted, I start to let it in a little bit more. And then all these things that I've built to protect myself from something that is really good for me, they begin to melt under the weight of his goodness and his love. And I begin to know him and understand him for who he truly is, is my dad. And he doesn't say he's his dad, but not act like it. He really is a good dad. He's like, listen, we got to go through some hard times, but I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. And then I am going to come back for you. So that means this. He came back after his resurrection. Woohoo. Then he ascends. And the two angels said, hey, what are you guys standing here looking at the air, right? Don't you know that he who has ascended is going to ascend again and come and collect you? So that means he, and, and not only that, but because I love him, he's given me a down payment of eternity with the Holy Spirit to be in connection with him. So it's like, you remember AT&T? In the 80s, reach out, reach out and touch someone. You know, your long distance thing. It's like, so you could call all the way over to, to China. It was a lot, there were phone lines and you get, now you didn't want to do that very long because like 25 cents a minute, right? So we're, we're glad about technology where everything's free as far as your phone is now. But, but the reality of it is that that was a long distance line. You could reach over there, but you're going to pay for it. See, the Holy Spirit has already been bought and paid for on your behalf and sent so that you could stay in connection with your Father who is in eternity. And there's no static on that line from his end. Now look what he says. I will send you the, the, he is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive the Holy Spirit because it doesn't know him or see him. But you do. Okay, the world cannot see and the world cannot hear or feel or know the Holy Spirit. So the world is not able to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. This is what happens to us. That happens to us too when we start living and acting more of our carnal and worldly side than as a son or a daughter. The static that we feel on the line comes from us, not him. Whenever we, we start thinking for ourselves, whenever we start we start thinking about the worldly pleasures in life and all these different kinds of things and thinking of things that don't really matter to him, then the static comes on the line and it becomes harder to hear his voice because we've moved away from daddy. I used to have this guy on my block in, uh, and he would, 
slam open the, he was out next door to him, and he'd slam open the door and he'd go, and he would yell his kid's name loud. I mean, it was loud. He had one of those voices, you know, you know, irritating and loud. Those are the worst kind of voices, I'm just telling you. You can be irritating, but as long as you're quiet, I can deal with that. But if you're loud and irritating, we got problems, right? And so this guy was loud, and he would yell, and he would shout for his children and up and down the block. And who knows where they were, but eventually they would follow the bellowing and come home. See, sometimes it's, it's like that with us when we've strayed for him. He's calling to us. He's not calling to us because he doesn't know where we are. He's calling to us so that we can remember where he is and come home. The whole idea of walking in the garden was not about him not knowing where we were. It was about us who had forgotten where he was. And he's like, where are you? Look, you're far from me. Come home. Come home. And I think the struggles that we're living with today, some of them, there's a lot, but some of them come from our position and what we really believe. It's not hard if you've come from a, a family where mom and dad were not good to you. It's easy to see how you would struggle with love and affection. And you're making those connections, and, and you know, and I get that, and you're, you're figuring that stuff out, and yes. What can be hard as well, too, is when you've come from a good family with a good mother and a good father. You see, that doesn't necessarily take away that orphan thing inside of you. See, I, Leif Hetland said this, and I, I really agree with it. He said that the orphan spirit cannot be cast out. The orphan heart cannot be cast out. It has to be healed. And the only way it can be healed is coming to the Father who knows your heart. See, the times that we're in and facing, and you know, I, I have no idea. I'm, I'm not the greatest prophetic voice in the world, but I did have a problem at the beginning of this year when people were saw about 2020 and perfect vision and all that kind of stuff and I was thinking to myself that sounds a little easy and that sounds a little like um, <clears throat> uh, not from the inner part of prophesying that sounds like outer court prophesying which means like well it's 2020 so that just means perfect vision so I'm just going to prophesy that it's very easy we were taught that by, by Jan and by others to, that when we speak, we need to make sure we're speaking from the, the, inner, the holiest of holies where the presence of God resides and not from an outer court perspective of just because I see it, that must be it. We've already got uh, memes on Facebook <laughs> joking around about it's enough for 2020 we can't handle anymore, <laughs> right? Kind of funny, but the reality of it is we're just halfway through the year right now and people are struggling, and people, and, and, and it's going crazy, and we've, we've had COVID, and we've had riots, and looting, and we are in such utter turmoil, and such utter chaos, that if you don't understand your position, you're going to be gripped by the fear of what is around you, and what you're seeing, and coming into intimacy with the Father doesn't mean that all of a sudden, everything on the world is, world is going to be made right, it means that you're going to experience the peace and love 
for those of you who are online, uh, maybe watching, I, I, I just I sense that some things have been maybe stirred up in you. And you're, you're thinking back to, um, like, maybe not a so great of a childhood. And I just want to tell you that you, you, your start may have not been great, but your finish can be glorious because of what God can do through all circumstances. And all he's asking of you tonight is to let him do it. He can be trusted. Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife@aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.